Type channel, uh, and I've, I saw, you know, I've seen some of the, the trailers and stuff, but other than that, no, I don't know a lot about it. I, I think we've all seen the Titan trailer, and we don't need to say any more about that. But the interesting <laughs> thing about this whole channel, right? So, you, like you said, there's it's like a Netflix thing. You're going to have Titans, you're going to have Swamp Thing, you're going to have Doom Patrol, uh, all live action series. Uh, then you're going to get all the animated stuff of like all the Batman animated series. You'll get the the Young Justice. There's a new season of Young Justice. All this stuff's going to be out there, which is pretty cool. I mean, they're they're advertising Linda Carter's Wonder Woman as part of this package too. It's a uh, it, it it looks like pretty interesting so but one of the things i'm interested in the most though is there is a digital comic component to this subscription so you you know obviously you could watch it i guess on your tv or but if you're on your tablet you'll be able to similar to marvel comics unlimited you'll be able to read a vast library of dc comics digitally on your tablet which 
to me, as a Marvel Comics Unlimited uh, huge subscriber or a huge fan of Marvel Comics Unlimited, uh, I'm very interested in this. And I've been sort of nervous because the stories coming out of it was going to be DC's version was going to be curated. That's the word they always use is curated. And I'm like, what does that mean? You know, does that mean you're going to get five issues of Aquaman and that's it? I, I don't know. Well, news came out of San Diego a little bit more and a little bit more. Some people got a chance to beta test it. Um, our buddy Josh Bertoni actually got a chance to get his hands on it and filmed himself flipping through the catalog. And, dude, the, the, the thing that I've been worried about the most was basically the breadth and depth of the catalog, meaning what the variety of titles and how deep they go within each title. And at least what the footage he showed, it was deep. There was – a lot. Like he looked at like Titans at one point. There was a ton of Titans comics. Um, so, from first glance, it looks like the comic service might be pretty darn good. I'm excited about this. Ultra the multi alien or no deal. <laughs> Let's be reasonable, Rob. Let's be no, reasonable. Actually, no, I'm glad you're telling me this because I actually did not know that there was a comic book component to it at all. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah, because, I, again, I, Marvel Unlimited, I, I, for those of you that don't know, if you're interested in Marvel Unlimited, I, I'm one of the admins, actually, of the Marvel Unlimited discussion group on Facebook. It's I love Marvel Unlimited that much. Um, it, it's the whole idea of having 15,000, or at least in, I think now it's 17,000 in, in Marvel, but having that many comics at your disposal to just pick up and read at any given time is amazing. And DC's back catalog is so deeper. So much deeper than Marvel's. You know, it's so rich. Now, I'd, again, curated, that's the key word there. Um, whereas with Marvel, once they add a book to Marvel Unlimited, it's there forever. If DC does this thing where they add, you know, all these action comics and they're only there for a month and then they go away, well, that's not really going to interest me that much. Because that means then they're dictating what I read and when I read it. And yeah, that's that, the, would, that would suck. Yeah, would hate so that. I'm hoping that's not the case. Or sometimes Comics, Comicsology Unlimited would do a situation where they like they they put the first trade paperback of a bunch of stuff out there. But if you want to read more, you've got to buy the second and third and fourth volume kind of stuff. I'm not terribly hot on that either. Um, I want a you know if I'm going to pay a hundred bucks a year or whatever it is, uh, I want to have a pretty deep catalog of what I watch because I think I'm the one guy in the world who doesn't care that much about the TV component side of it. Um, I, I should. I know it's a, a lot of great content, but I don't watch TV now. How am I going to find more time to watch that? So, I don't know. Either way, I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, I would love to be able to sit there. You know, I know how much Rob loves reading um, comics on computers, but I would love to be able to sit there <laughs> with my tablet, which is apparently a computer per Rob's instructions, and read Aquaman from the 60s. I mean, could you imagine, you know, just like on a whim, just laying in bed, don't feel like getting up. I'm like, I think I'm going to dig out Aquaman number, was it, 35? If I remember right, the first appearance of Ocean Master? That's right. Like, oh, look at that! Well, Nailed no, no, it. no, that's Black Manta. Black Manta is for number 39. Ocean Master is 29. Oh, but he's in 35, though. That's but he's fine. in 35. Yeah, it's true. You were close. Okay. So, you know, whatever. I, I'm pretty close. I'll take, I'll take that small victory. That might, that it, It's not actually a victory because I'm wrong, but whatever. Um, but yeah, that'd be awesome. I would love that. So, anyway. Yeah, it's, a, it's a neat do. idea. It's a neat idea. And to combine it with the television is really interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they stick with the price point. I think right now, ugh, I'm talking off the top of my head here, I think it's $99 and you get 15 months of it if, if you prepay. I think that's how it works out. Um, I could be wrong. I might not have that right. But either way, it's worth looking at, folks. DC Universe, uh, and I'm not sure when the go live date is, but I'm excited. I, I would be interested to see if they get 
all of their content, like the Batman TV show, the Fleischer Superman cartoons, like the movie serials, like that'd be neat if they could get all that stuff under one roof. The you know, like everything from the forties on. Yeah, that would be amazing. Absolutely amazing. We could we could finally see Rick Springfield's um, uh, Human Target. Yeah, Human Target. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, uh, I kind of took us off on a tangent, but that's just something I'm excited about. We should probably take a second, though, to thank our sponsor. Folks, this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardware covers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Uh, I'm going to go first this time just because our our selections are chronologically ordered here in this way. Uh, As I mentioned, we are covering Mera, Queen of Atlantis. And this is written by the amazing Dan Abnett, who has a long history of writing some amazing comics. He's written some great Doctor Who books. He's done a lot of great stuff. But when he came into Aquaman, it was right after a not-so-great period of Aquaman, and he basically cleaned it up. He turned the book around, got it back on its feet, and gave us a, a, a legitimately entertaining King of Atlantis, a great relationship with Mera. And my pick is his first collection uh, writing for DC, which was still in the New 52 line. It was the very, very end of the New 52 line. He came in, and he finished out New 52 Aquaman uh, with issues... 48 through 52, and then Aquaman Rebirth number one. And all those are collected in Aquaman Trade Paperback Volume 8 called Out of Darkness. And uh, it's drawn by Brett Booth and some other folks. And this this collect, this introduces the whole Deadwater. Remember the Deadwater character, which was a really interesting bestial sort of character for Aquaman to fight. I, I want to say the um, – that's sta- the the station. The, you wanted a playset out of it. I can't remember what it's called. Um, oh, I forget. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think that was introduced in that story. It's, it's a great several issues. In fact, we always kind of thought, like, wow, if only Dan Abnett could have done all this at the beginning of Rebirth, but he came in early. Either way, it's great. So, uh, But it's um, – I'm babbling. It's 144 pages. It's full color. It normally retails for $16.99. You can get it for 42% off right now in in-stock trades. So it's only $9.85. And again, that's Dan, Dan Abnett's first work on Aquaman, which then leads to what Rob's going to talk about, which leads to what we're going to talk about today. So, Rob, what you got? Uh, yeah, I mean, as Dan Abnett's run on Aquaman starts to come to a close, uh, by the time he's all done, he will have one of the longest runs on the character of any writer ever. Uh, I'm going to talk about Aquaman Trade Paperback Volume 5, The Crown Comes Down, uh, which is all written by Dan Abnett, drawn by F- Ricardo Federici. It's from Aqu- it collects Aquaman numbers 31 through 33 and annual number one. Normal price is $14.99. In stock trades price is only $8.69. That's 42% off. It is the most recent collection of this current Aquaman series in trade form. There will be more, obviously, coming down the line. But right now, this is the newest one. Volume 5, The Crown Comes Down. And that's after Dolphin's been introduced and all that. Yep. And uh, Aquaman's yep. you know, fighting to uh, take back the throne of Atlantis. So, interesting stuff. So, when his run is done... Will he have done more issues than Peter David? It'll be pretty close. He'll be, by the time he is finished, he will have written about 50 issues of Aquaman. And that's about what Peter David did. Uh, If you want to, Peter David, if you rope in Time and Tide, then I think Peter David's somewhere around 56. So I think it's going to be pretty close. Well, you could rope in uh, Mera, Queen of Atlantis then. Right, right. And then you you can add Mira or whatever. So, yeah, if somebody will do the final totals. But, yeah, Abnet, when he's done, he will have one of the longest runs in the character in history. And it's it's a very entertaining run. It really is. I, um, 
uh, well, you know, I'll just say it. The Cullen Bunn era of Aquaman really kind of destroyed a lot of my enthusiasm for current Aquaman books. And then the direction of the movie, even though we're excited about the movie, still wasn't the Aquaman we want to read about in comics. So it was a, it was a lot of, like, momentum lost. And then he helped, I think, rebuild a lot of that. So Yes, he's, he got it stabilized. He's done a great job. We had a chance to talk to him on the show, uh, even. Uh, he's been a great guy, and I thought he's done great work with the character. Yep. So, folks, pick both these up if you haven't already. And uh, for these and all your other trade paperback needs, please visit InStockTrades.com. All right, Rob. So uh, you want to take us through this? It's, uh, it's Mera, Queen of Atlantis, a six-issue miniseries. And uh, you, you tell me how you want to walk through it, buddy. Right. Well, they said, I'm just going to do kind of brief recaps of, of the six issues. Um, I, the, you know, we, we're, we're overdue to uh, handle reviews of the current Aquaman book. We're way behind on that. And I wanted to get to those, but then I just realized I wanted to talk about Mira, Queen of Atlantis. And I thought this was an interesting idea that this, and we'll get to it when we get to the end, is that this miniseries is sort of running concurrently with the book. Like, it's, it's telling in a, si- a parallel storyline, which I thought was actually interesting. I didn't know any of that. I didn't know. I don't read any of the fan stuff anymore. So I had no idea what this miniseries was even about before I started reading it. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, there's a Mira, Queen of Atlantis. All right, let me just see what it's about. So uh, I thought that was it was interesting. So I think we'll just do brief recaps of each issue, and you can just tell me what you thought about each one as we as we go through it. Okay. Easy enough to do. So uh, yeah, the first issue it's a, uh, the title of the story is "A Queen in Exile." It's by Dan Abnett. All of them are going to be by Dan Abnett. Drawn by uh, this one is drawn by Land Medina, Richard Friend, and colors by Veronica Gandini. As uh, Ocean Master, now called Orm, tries to get comfortable in his life on land and with a surface dweller family, Mira faces an attack by the assassin group known as the Eel. She is then visited by Superman and Wonder Woman, who learn that Atlantis is undergoing yet another civil war. Oh, God. And that the <laughs> current occupier of the throne, Colum Rath, is trying to kill Mira so she cannot succeed him. With Aquaman currently far, far away, Mira finds herself alone. So they said that is basically the issue. First of all, I want to ask you, what did you think of the cover? Just that shot of Mira standing there with the, the trident. It's or gorgeous. The and trident. It's it's incredibly sexy. Um, in fact, the variant cover is even sexier. Um, but the uh, yeah, I, I I love it. It's it's commanding. It's powerful. She's sitting there holding the trident. I think it's great. Yeah, it's very great, very good, very poster like. It looks looks terrific. Uh, I like this issue. I mean, I will admit, and I'm going to get this complaint out of the way right at the top. As anyone who has been listening to the show for any period of time knows, I am bored to tears by Atlantean politics, and this whole miniseries is Atlantean politics. <laughs> so that going in, like that, okay, one, that put aside, I'm like, okay, that, you know, I wish they were telling, like, not a story about Atlantean politics. That's fine. So anyway, the idea that Mira is going to take over Atlantis, like, that makes me happy. The idea that Aquaman is like, I'm not going to take over the throne again. That's great. So I like this idea a lot. That if, okay, that you know, Mira will split her time because she's always sort of a superhero, but sort of not. Frees up Aquaman to be a superhero. I liked. Apparently, at some point, she was with the Justice League. I haven't been reading Justice League, but she was a member at some point. Yep. So okay, so they treat her. Superman and Wonder Woman treat her like a like a, a you know a fellow member. I like that they. Are like, uh, do you need our help? And she's like, no, you're, you guys would just make things worse. <laughs> get involved. Which is a nice shorthand of keeping the big guns out of the story. It's sort of like Bat- Batman in No Man's Land. It's, right, uh, yeah. The same sort of thing happened there. Exactly. It's like, you know, you could just get Superman and Wonder Woman to fix everything. But she's like, no, no, no. Your service dwellers are going to make it worse. That's good. That's, just stay out of it. So 
I like the first issue uh, just fine. Um, I will admit the scenes of Mira sitting in a surface dweller office uh, where she sit, like she just looks really silly, like sitting in that. She does just, just sitting in a chair in an office, like looks very. Like, they should probably stay away from drawing superheroes standing in normal rooms, other than when like Batman is in Commissioner Gordon's office. Superheroes just look kind of silly like that. That's a very minor thing, but anyway, I I like this first issue just fine. I thought it was pretty good. It, you know, going back to that cover thing again, real quick. It's sort of like it, it's not the same costume, but it sort of you know, evokes the um, Amber Heard Mara look. Absolutely. You know, I mean, she's she looks strong, she looks powerful, uh, and she looks like you know she's ready to kick some ass. It looks it reminds me a lot of Amber Heard in the role. Uh, yeah, I mean they're clearly gearing it to match the movie. That's just the yeah. way these things. Uh, this way these things go. I like the eels. The eel as the assassin groups. I think that's a nice thing. Like I think they're a good bunch of villains. Uh, that, that's, that's a callback, right? I mean that's not yeah. a new character. Yeah. No, no yeah, they they were around, they've been around in the book. Um, and so no, I thought this was a, a good a good lead up. Yeah. Um, you you got your gripe out of the way in the beginning. I'll get my gripe out of the way in the beginning. This applies to all six issues. I I, I was never bored reading it i enjoyed it i thought it was very good however like most modern comics this story if you'd put it in the hands of bob haney and jim aparo <laughs> wow. it would have been done in two issues yeah you know there's a lot of standing around yeah and but the conversations are interesting you know or the flashbacks or mara's dreams about being with aquaman all of it's interesting but really when you boil down what's going on yeah, this could have happened a lot faster. But I'm not complaining terribly because I enjoyed it. It was a fun read. I think it, it's it, it's going to make a great collection when it's in somebody's hands. So uh, I'm, I'm okay with that. But it's uh, but I that's just the decompressed storytelling that gets on my nerves. So I loved in all the flashbacks seeing Mara like in her classic costume. Looks fantastic. The sleeveless number, uh, which was wonderful. Uh, now the Mara as Queen of Atlantis, I think we called that like two or three years ago. You know, we were trying to solve this whole how do you keep Aquaman relevant, make him king of Atlantis, but not make him stuck in Atlantis all the time. And we said, oh, Mara could be his regent. Mm-hmm. And we, we called that quite a while ago. So I was very pleased to see that that's, you know, following through. And they, thank you, DC, for listening to us. You yeah, know, first, another, another thing that the network has made happen. Right. Well, first salty, then this. It was kind of, you know. That's right. <laughs> um, I don't have a lot more to add on that. I just, it, was, it was a very enjoyable issue. I, oh, I do have something to add. Orm. Orm and his family. That is a twist I never would have expected. Um, you, you know, you, you've gone on record many times saying your favorite version of Orm is like the, the, the Bronze Age version of Orm, you know, or Silver Age version. I think I like Orm as the deposed ruler of Atlantis. I, I'm starting to think I really, really, really like this version. And the fact that he made the connection with the human family and fell in love with this woman and her child, uh, and maybe it's just the... Um, uh, the, the 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 guy in me who got married to a woman who already had a child and I have a stepchild myself. I don't know what it is, but it just it really speaks to me. Like I love this that he's torn. Literally, you know, he's sort of like Aquaman now. He's a man of two worlds, and that's never been a problem for this version of Orm. He's never been a man of two worlds before, and now suddenly he is. And I really like that aspect of him. Yeah, and those yeah, are some big yeah. guns. You're not getting. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Well, let's we'll move on to the second issue. Uh, it's called The King and Queen, again by Dan Mabnett, Lan Medina, Norm Rapmond, and Veronica Gandini. Hey, I do have yes. a question. Lan yes. Medina. Um, didn't he draw Aquaman and the others? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. It's like I'm reading this. I'm like, you know, something, something's familiar here. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Orm, having seen the news about Atlantis, resumes his role of Ocean Master and visits Mira, telling her he will step in. 
Mira asks him not to, but he won't listen, leading to them fighting, of course. Just as Orm is about to deliver a killing blow, his adopted son arrives and begs him to stop. Now, you mentioned uh, just a second ago about the sort of uh, you know protracted storytelling. Mm-hmm. To me, this is very protracted. Like this whole this whole book is basically a big fight. Yeah, and I don't. You don't. We didn't need twenty pages of a fight. Actually, actually, it's not a. The first half is a big talk, then yeah. a big fight. <laughs> yeah, this this to me is very very stretched out. I like seeing them fight you're squaring off I, I i had no idea going into this miniseries that aquaman wouldn't play a role at all like i thought were they really going to do a, a a series without aquaman but they you know they really are like he's not in it at all other than in flashbacks um but uh, but i did feel like this one was a little like all right i don't think we needed this to fill up the whole book with this you know you talked about mara shouldn't be in an office uh in her outfit she also probably shouldn't just be sleeping on her bed in the outfit either like she, she should no. have like you know I don't know pajamas or something more comfortable than sleeping in that that costume at all times. Which yeah, it's sort of <laughs> um, very uncomfortable. I actually, I, I enjoy again. I enjoyed the uh, decompressed absolutely, but I enjoyed this issue because I dug Mara talking to Orm, like uh, just having a conversation because that's something that doesn't usually happen. It's like Ocean Master and Aquaman see each other. There's a page and a half of banter, and then fuck. You know, this is talk, 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 which and, – and I, I know the, the Atlantean politics bores you. I love it for whatever reason. And so I really found the talk interesting. And then when it's go time, um, there's a panel where he pulls out his uh, trident and he's like hovering on a typhoon and creates a giant wave to drown her and stuff like it's a big uh, double-page splash. And it's just like, wow, that's a hell of a page. And so I don't know. I you're right. Not much happens, but I, I still felt satisfied when it was done. I enjoyed it, and I literally had a holy, sh- you know, crap moment when Orm's family comes running up and they're like, "Daddy, Daddy, why are you killing that woman?" or whatever the kid <laughs> says. And it's like that was a oh my god, you know, it was just I didn't see that coming, and that was that was a good moment too. Something else I enjoyed. Um, I guess you're familiar with the Bechdel test. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So this would have this this issue would pass the Aquaman test. Is that you've got his brother and his wife and or his queen? Uh, they're not married at this point, but they don't talk about Aquaman. Like they're talking about their own individual issues, which I think is good, as opposed to uh. you know it's having like them just talk about Aquaman of the guy who's not here. No, they have their own storyline going, which I like. That's a good point. And as this series goes along, one of the things I do like is how they address. The whole thing about how she's going to be queen of Atlantis, and yet she is a, 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 a you know, essentially a, a rebel from Zebel. Look at that. She's a Zebel there rebel. Zebel rebel. Um, and so she, you know, how dare she sit on the throne being from this outcast society, and that's really sticking in Orm's craw. Uh, and so it's, I, it, it all works nicely. Okay. Good. All right. Good second, good second issue. All right, so uh, issue number three, Enemy of My Enemy, by Dan Abnett, Land Madonna, Norm Radman, and Veronica Gandini. Orm refrains from killing Mira, and he tries to explain to his family why he has left them. Orm's wife, Erin, demands to know the full story, which Mira tells her. Erin suggests, why don't they work together? Which, in, uh, in immediate, not an idea not immediately met with enthusiasm. Bringing in outsiders to help would only make things worse, which leaves out the Justice League. But Orm has a suggestion that takes them both back to Zebel to see, to see King Nearest, Mira's former betrothed. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So, uh, again, we're bringing in yet another character from the other issues, uh, yep. the King Nearest guy, who will be in the movie. Uh, he will be in the movie, played by Dolph Lundgren. Uh, what? 
Yes, yes, he's playing Neris. Uh, oh, wow, I had yeah. no idea they were going to dress uh, Zebel in the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, they're going, they're going deep as a. As oh, god. Um, so, uh, but uh, no, I, I like the idea that uh, that it was Orm's wife is the one who's like, well, why don't you two just team up? Like, why do why do you have to fight each other? Why do you have a bunch of knuckleheads? And you know, well, they're scary. both like, what? No, we can't do that. Yeah. So, fun issue. Um, I, I like Mara. Uh, yeah, the, whole, the one thing we haven't talked about is Mara's powers are weakened right now. And right. it was probably a plot device in the Aquaman book to basically explain why she can't just come down and deal with this rebellion uh, to take her off the table and let Aquaman still be the hero. And But they're using it here to their advantage by basically explaining that you know she's weak. She, she doesn't have full control of her powers. And yet there's one page where she's playing with water to demonstrate that she's still got her powers and stuff like that. I kind of dig where, that, where she's playing with that. I've always liked seeing Mera fiddle with her powers. And, of course, we see more shots of her in this one, again, in the old school outfit, which I absolutely adore. Um, so yeah, it's, um, again, issue two and three would have been better as just one combined issue, but otherwise it was a fun read. Yeah. I like the, and the flashbacks are done in a slightly, uh, faded style color wise. Like they're Mm -hmm. all kind of slightly grayed out, which is a nice effect. And and one thing that's in here that you, you, that I forget a lot in the, in this new version of Orm is that Tula is his, um, half, what sister, half sister and, or yeah, half sister, I believe. Yes. Yes. And, um, that's it. I completely forget about that. And having Tula as a supporting character, they do a good job. That's because sometimes in stories they they, they give you a, some big plot thing comes in and you're like, what? They didn't. Where did that come from? They did a good job of establishing Tula as a supporting character in the first half of the series through these first three issues we've covered because she ends up playing uh, a role later in the series against her will, which uh, they did a good job building that story. Yes. Uh, she, she's Chekhov's gun, if you will. In this yes, thing. yes. Her relation to Ocean Master will come into play uh, in the uh, final issue of this uh, series. So we got uh, number four: Zebel Hart again. Abnet, Medana, Medina, Ratman, and Gandini. By the way, I love this cover of King Nearest. Uh, it's a rapper, you know. It's an abstract one of King Nearest looking at Mirror and Ocean Master in an air bubble, and I love the purple clouds and the sort of the. Well, that's just a really nice looking image. I like that. She scorned him once, never again. Well, wasn't he married to Niles Crane, Nurus? But anyway. Okay. Anyway, uh, so to even be allowed to speak to Nurus, Orm and Mira are subjected to ritual combat, because of course they are, where they fight a giant sea serpent. They defeat the beast and then tell Nurus what has happened. Nurus, of course, isn't interested, but starts to change his mind when Mira tells him that if Wrath is allowed to stay in power in Atlantis, his plan is to wipe Zebel off the map. Neris is still dubious, even more so when he learns that Aquaman will not reclaim the throne if Wrath is defeated, and Mira will take over. Mira goes to visit the widow of a formidable Zebel king, looking for advice. Meanwhile, Neris starts wor- working on Orm by undermining his confidence, suggesting he is weak. Even later, we see that Neris and the old queen named Lamia are working together in a plot to bring Nira down. Mira down, excuse me. Now it's worth mentioning the uh, the old uh, the the old widower of the of the king is uh, Mara's grandmother. So that's an important right. plot point. Um, this is my favorite issue in the book, uh, actually, because th- I think this one's kind of packed. It's th- there's a lot of story in this one. You know, uh, they, they start off fighting this giant octopus thing, right? As as we talked about. So you get a fight in the beginning. You get more development with back on land with Orm and his uh, Orm's. Not fiance, but I mean, you know what I mean. His, his lady love again with Tula. You get this whole political intrigue, which I know you love, uh, about about this whole idea of she Mara would be the bridge 
to bridge Zevil and Atlantis together because she'd be, you know, we were always thinking about her, how, how Atlantis feels about her being queen, but how would Zevil feel about her being queen of Atlantis? Like, oh wow, this is this is actually really good. And you get this connection between uh, Mera and her mentor. You, you get the intrigue with the grandmother, then you find out the grandma's grandma's betraying her. I I just love this issue, the way it develops, all the backstory, all the backstabbing. The uh, you know we always talk about this Game of Thrones underwater kind of thing. I. I dig this one. I think it's my favorite issue in the whole run. Yeah, I mean, the, the character of, of Lamia is very much kind of the Diana Rigg on Game of Thrones, the kind of olden, wizened lady who's seen a lot and is sort of scheming behind the scenes. And even though, you know, I don't know, I feel it's like you could sort of see it coming. I didn't, where Lamia, didn't. Where, where Lamia is, is turning on Mira at the end. Um, the one little discordant note that I thought was weird is that there's one point where she and Mira are talking, and... Uh, you know, she says, I may not play an active role in the rule of Zebel anymore, uh, any longer, but I have my own network of intelligence. I stay informed. I know you and Orm Marys have come here. And she says, a ballsy move, young lady. I don't know if I like Atlanteans using sort of surface dweller slang. That kind of jumps out at me a little. Like, really? Did they talk like that? Like, eh, I don't know. It's a minor quibble because it's the only line, but it just, I don't know. It just feels weird to me. The, the phrase jumped out at me, too. I'll admit that. It didn't hang with me and really bother me too much, but it did jump out at me. But, you know, at the end of the day, yes, it's Atlantean dialogue, but it's written for us. So, you know, yeah. I just, I say go with it. I mean, it was fine. Again, it's not, uh, like, killer or anything like that. I did like every time you see Nearest talking to Mira, he's, like, spitting on her because he's yeah. so furious. Like, at literally every panel, he's just like, like, say it, not spray it, Nearest. Come on. He's just so mad well, all it, the time. That really ramps up in these next closing two issues, too. Like, yeah. everybody starts spitting in the next two issues. So it's, yeah. it's interesting artistically. Everybody's at 11 here in this miniseries. Right. <laughs> um, so, okay, issue five is Blood Lore, Abnett, Medina, Rabmond, Gandini. Uh, someone attacks Mira from behind, but we see it's her old friend, Liron, who is merely testing her. Mira says she is nearly back to full strength powers-wise, something Liron cryptically says she may need to rely on soon. Nearest announces that Zebel will help bring down Wrath, but only if Orm is installed as king, not Mira. Mira objects, saying that would bring in a certain future for Zebel. Nearest says that will be taken care of thanks to an intermingling of the Atlantis and Zebel ruling bloodlines. Namely, having Nearest marry Tula, who was snatched off the beach by Nearest's men and brought to Zebel. Outnumbered, Mira does the only thing she can, demand trial by combat with Orm. Uh, yeah, very Game of Thrones, the whole mixing of bloodlines. I mean, heck, yeah, it's not just Game of Thrones that did it. It's, it's been that way for thousands of years. You've been telling those kinds of stories. Uh, I They've been setting up that, that Orm is, you know, he's a bad guy, but he's got some decent qualities. But then I like that he does the heel turn, that he's willing to engage in this unholy union. Because, of course, we like Tula, you mentioned. They've done a great job with Tula, making her, she's not Aqua Girl yet, but she's essentially Aqua Girl. And so being forced into this marriage to King Nearest is awful and terrible, and the fact that Orm goes along with it means he's just as much of a rotten SOB as we thought. So I, I liked all that. And it's a good way for Orm to be a terrible person and yet still be on the side of uh, the right side of the mission. You know, he's still trying to save Atlantis. So right. he's not completely irredeemable from what he wants to do. He's not a bad guy. He's just got he's, – he's going about trying to do the right thing, doing it the wrong way. Yes. Um, the best thing in this, as far as I'm concerned in this issue is the introduction of – or the, the further development of the Laron character or uh, Mara's mentor 
from when she lived in Zebel and the guy who trained her and taught her how to fight and all this stuff. I loved this stuff with him and their relationship and how proud he is. I mean, it was actually, I think, in the issue before where he was almost weeping when he found out she was going to be queen of Atlantis. He's like, oh, my God, I'm so proud of you. You know, and then there's more of that here. And um, I, I think he was just he's, he's a great character find of uh, 2018. Yep. A lot more spitting. A lot more spitting. A lot, lot more spitting. And Laurent's there. Wee. All right. So uh, final issue number six, Blood Lore. Abnet, Medina, Rabmond, Gandini. After a pitched battle, Mira finds the inner resolve to keep fighting and turn the tables on Orm, eventually controlling the very water he breathes and almost giving him a fatal stroke. She demands he submit, which he does, begging to be returned to his family on the surface. Mira scoffs at this phony sentimentality, and Orm says Orm will remain a prisoner of Atlantis. Tula performs the grim duty of telling Orm's family he won't be returning. Mira learns that Lamia was manipulating Nerus all along, betting that Mira would prevail. Nerus pledges Zebel's army to Mira, ending with the Queen of Atlantis preparing for war. And this was the part, like, I, again, I didn't know anything about this. I didn't know what this miniseries was. And then the fact that the book doves, dovetails back into Aquaman, and it says the story picks up basically in Aquaman number 38, uh, I thought it was a really interesting idea of telling a concurrent story that you don't necessarily need to read this to be enjoying the Aquaman book and to be, you know, to, to appreciate that story. But I like that it, it's, it's a nice supplemental material. I think that's a neat idea that instead of trying to cram it into the regular Aquaman book, Mira gets her own storyline while Aquaman's off doing this other thing. So essentially you've got two Aquaman books running simultaneously. What a crazy world we live in. <laughs> and she deserves it. I mean, we've, we've sure. said for years that they should do a spinoff series called Aquaman and Mera. Uh, yep. and, and this was a, you know, like you said, I imagine reading, now I haven't read Aquaman 38, I'll be honest, I'm way behind. But I imagine you would see, you know, Mera comes riding in with this herd of creatures and, and monsters and Zebel warriors. And she's saying, I went to Zebel and I brought an army to help us. And that's all you need. That's all, mm-hmm. and like you said, that's all the info you would need to make it work. But yeah, the backstory is is nice. It fills it all in. It gives her a chance to shine. It gives those people who want to learn more about Amber Heard's uh, character before the movie starts. This is perfect. So it's uh, well done, DC. Well done, Dan Abnett. So really, very enjoyable. And um, it was heartbreaking when Ocean Master is thrown into, was told he's going to be in an Atlantean jail instead of going back to his family on the surface world. And, and Tula has to share that news. That was absolutely crushing. I, I guess I, just, I, I expected him to go home. And it was like, oh, he deserves to go to jail, but oh, so sad. Yeah, he just can't let him get away with this for Pete's sakes. But yeah, that is a, well, he is didn't, a sad he, did, he didn't commit any crimes. All he did was he was trying to save Atlantis. He, again, was still trying to do the right thing. He was just going to go, okay, well, I guess they did kidnap uh, Tula. Um, yeah, there is that. Well, he didn't do that, though. The the, the people of uh, Zebel did, though. Yeah, but he made a deal against her will to get her married off to somebody she doesn't want to be married to. Yeah, but how haven't we all done something terrible to our sisters at one point or another? You know, come on. We did try and marry Ryan Daly off to somebody to get a better deal on network hosting. That didn't right, work exactly. out for us, but we did try and do it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, see, right. we're, yeah. we are, you know, let he ca- who's without sin cast the first stone. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so all these characters essentially are going to be in the movie, except for, as far as we know, Tula. I don't know that Tula's in the movie. Now, maybe hmm. there'll be somebody who they'll just call Tula at some point, but... Um, I the, actually my favorite page of this whole book is the one page where she returns to Amnesty Bay and tells his family what's happened. I think that's very oh. well done. You know, like the deep shadows and stuff. I think that was that well, was really quite well done. Well, that's the one that rips out your heart. You know yeah. that that's the that's the that's the sad page. Oh, yeah, now that that um, 
the, the, that last page though, where Mara's riding the giant, whatever they call the octa, octa, octodon or whatever, the octopus. Something like that. There's yeah. the eels and there's all the soldiers around her. That's totally badass. That's awesome. Yes, it looks great. Uh, I love the cover. The cover is really well done by Nicola Scott and Romulo Fajardo, I believe is how you say it. Uh, they, all the guys coming in at her at different angles. That looks terrific. It looks really cool. These are very nice covers. I think mm-hmm. it's a really good book. I can't imagine the mini sold a lot of issues, but I, I imagine that this is the long game for them in that they're going to they're creating the trade, and sure. as, as the ramp up to the movie goes, they're going to try and sell the crap out of the trade because even if you're not following the Aquaman story about you know Atlantis falling, you don't need it. I mean, again, I, t- I mentioned I'm way behind in my Aquaman comic, so I don't know what's going on. I mean, I, I obviously I have a, kind of a general idea, but this was a very well self-contained story that explained everything you needed. So this is a perfect trade for them to sell as they get closer to December 13th. Is that December 21st? What is I what's think, the thing? 21st, I believe. Okay. Uh, as they get closer to that date, this is the perfect trade to sell and get it into people's hands and go, Hey, you know, you think Amber Heard looks cool. Check out how badass this character is, you know, kind of thing. I should really know the date of when the movie comes out because that's the day Bumblebee comes out. And that's the thing I'm right. excited about. So. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I think ab- absolutely. Yeah, like trade wise, and this would this even though it's got a lot of violence, it's got people stabbing each other with tridents and swords and all kinds of stuff. It's really nothing more than you couldn't see in like a PG-13 sci-fi fantasy. So, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's nothing objectionable for even the most you know, minor. Kid, you know, smallest kids and stuff like that. So, um, you know what? Now I'm thinking about it. This is kind of funny. You know, I, I mentioned that this is sort of a primer for the movie, right? For people, and we took we joked about Mara wearing that costume in a business office, and we joked about her wearing it in the bed and sleeping. She's never in anything except for this outfit, yep. and in the flashbacks, the old outfit. Yep. That's it. You never see her in anything else. It's almost like they're programming it for the movie. Because, you know, they're trying to make you recognize the, the costume, the look, you know, rather than having her in, I don't know, a T-shirt and jeans at one point or something like that. So, mm. interesting. Yeah. Speaking of a, a primer for the movie. Yes. Uh, so we're gonna, I wanted to give just a very brief history of some of the more important moments for the character. Of course, everybody knows she was introduced. Well, maybe not everybody knows. She was introduced in Aquaman number 11. That's her first appearance. Uh, some of the more important appearances, and she appeared in number eighteen. I mean, basically, we should, we, yeah. we should be, this is the nineteen sixty series because yes, Aquaman's been relaunched many times. The nineteen sixty yes. series, yeah, the original Aquaman series from the nineteen sixties. And she first appeared in number eleven. She was gone for like two issues, and then she came right back immediately, long before they would have ever gotten sales figures or letters. So they obviously planned to bring her back in the beginning, and then. Quickly, they established she was pretty popular because she and Alchemy get married in number 18. That's crazy. Take, that's didn't take them what, long at all. 14, because it was a bi-monthly, so that's what, 14 months after her introduction? Yeah. I mean, they and then just in number 23, she has Aqua Baby. So that, those were all the big things. And so basically after that, she was a ongoing supporting character in the book, just like Aqualad. Poor Aqualad must have been like, hey, what, you know, I used to be the sidekick. And then so she was, you know, all the stories by Bob Haney and Robert Bernstein, all those you know, all those different writers. She's and in then, the she's in the cartoon? Well, I was going to get to that. Oh, I'm sorry. Slow down, slow down. Well, I haven't seen the list. Well, I, okay, trust me. <laughs> so then once uh, Steve Skeets took over, he did the search for Mira storyline where Mira gets kidnapped. Uh, now, the first bunch of issues of that series, Mira's not in it at all. It's Aquaman looking for Mira. But number 46 is the one where he starts telling a bifurcated story where we see Aquaman finding Mira and where Mira was. And that shows her as kind of a badass because she's uh, been kidnapped by these mobsters, but she finds her way out of there and she like karate chops a bunch of guys and kicks their asses. So that was 
that was fun. So she gets her own thing. And then there's, again, the stories dovetail just in time for basically the Aquaman book to be canceled. Now, around the same time, she made a couple of appearances in the Justice League series. Uh, she appears in Justice League of America, the original series, number 88. And she's uh, drawn in the cover by Neil Adams. It's a great cover. And she doesn't get a whole lot to do with Aquaman. They don't get a lot to do in the story. But I love her with the team. I mean, I know they were never going to let her join because of all the duplicating powers nonsense. But she looks great with the Justice League. Like, to me, I was like, I would have, if I had been writing Justice League, uh, well, okay. If I had been writing Justice League, I would have signed her up immediately. Because, A, you needed more women on the team. And, B, I think she just looks cool with them. If you look well, at that cover of JLA number 88, she just looks like she belongs. And they did have her join recently, so there you go. And they originally did it. Yeah, it only took 40 years. Um, she was a occasional uh, guest on the Filmation cartoon. She didn't appear in every episode. There's only like 18 episodes. Uh, in that cartoon, she is pretty much like his sidekick, like Aqualad, rather than his bride. They never have any indication that they are in a romantic relationship. And, of course, it's the late 60s, so it's very Mad Men, and then Aquaman kind of talks down to her a little. Like, he's just, like, you know, kind of patting her on the head a lot. Nevertheless, it was cool that she's on the show. You know, like, Was uh, Aqua Baby wasn't in the cartoon? No, no Aqua Baby in the cartoon. Oh, I guess I right. never really thought about that. Interesting. Yeah, no, they never established that part of it at all. Well, so, in, in the 60s, they didn't treat her all that well either, because remember, a lot of her lines was always, she, she, a lot of times she'd even call him Aquaman or Arthur. She called him husband quite yes. a bit, too. Yes. Um, so some other uh, notable appearances, uh, Brave and the Bull number 142, which is Batman and Aquaman. She plays a pretty large role in that. Drawn by Gemma Perro, can't beat that. Uh, when the Aquaman series was brought back with the original numbering in the late 70s before it imploded, part of the <laughs> DC implosion, Mira got her own backup strip the first time she was ever a solo star. Uh, so she gets a three-issue backup in Aquaman's 50, 59, and 60, written by our pal Paul Kupperberg. Um, that's her storyline where she actually goes to try and rescue Aquababy. Aquababy does not die in Adventure 452. He almost dies, and they think they can resuscitate him. And it's Aquaman number 60 where he actually does die. So uh, that's her failed mission. But nevertheless, that's, her, that's historic for her. She appeared in um, Super Friends number 27, which was a rare Aquaman-centric issue. Uh, that's fun because you get to see Ramona Freighton draw Mira nice. uh, for, for a full book, which you never got to see because she didn't draw any of the Aquaman solo series. So she never ever got to, got to do Mira. So that's a, that's a really fun issue. Much later on, we're jumping way ahead. I mean, because at this point, she's in every issue of Aquaman. In every iteration, whatever book he was in, Adventure Comics, Action Comics, World's Finest Comics, she's there. She is, she's, the, she's more than the Lois Lane, but in terms of you know, the way you really rarely would do a Superman comic without Lois Lane, there's Mira. So she's in every one at that point. A notable story is Aquaman number 52, from February 1999, that's the Peter David run. It was right after he left the book and Eric Larson took over. That book features two stories running at the same time. One set in the past, one set in the present, where Aquaman is dealing with the fire trolls again. And half the book is drawn by Jim Aparo and inked by Bill Sienkiewicz. Really? Uh, making for a very interesting combination. And as far as I know, it is the last time Jim Aparo drew Aquaman. That's oh, it. wow. Yeah. Okay. And it's a flashback to them kind of like on a first date, sort of. So it's a kind of a cute story of them sort of courting one another. Now, you, you did skip over, for those of you who are paying attention, you, Rob skipped over almost like a whole decade of Mara appearances. More, more than that, like two decades it, almost. It, and there's good reason for that. 
uh, Merritt was not handled well in the 80s and early 90s at all. So it she was... doesn't figure in very big on the camouflage miniseries. She's she's cause she's kind of around the margins there. She is a big part of that miniseries drawn by Kurt Swan, but I'm not a fan of that one. So yeah. I just left it out. But but nevertheless, she's big. And like I said, she's big in Aquaman from then on. Basically, yeah. as soon as they got married, she's a regular feature. She's, there really is hardly any Aquaman stories where she's not around. Um, she played a big role in Aquaman, sort of Atlantis. Yes, she uh, did. Because she's sort of the guiding, you know, she's her husband is presumably dead in that series. He becomes a one with the ocean. But she's guiding the new Aquaman uh, into his mission. So she plays a pretty big part in that. And I actually really like that series. We, we talked about that series at some point uh, way back. And I actually, yeah. I didn't like it as much at the time, but I when I went back and read it, I was like, yeah, it's not the Aquaman I wanted to read, but this is pretty good. And the artwork by uh, Jackson Geis is terrific. I, I despise it when it first came out it was a punchline about you know how not to re- redo your character because they come right off the sub diego which was fantastic yeah. and then it was the second time rereading it or second time reading it is when i realized oh this is like a sword and sorcery aquaman and this is freaking good and it was you know it was it was really exceptional if you can accept it for what it was it was you know conan under underwater which now actually plays really well i suppose uh, so it, i i like it quite a bit i didn't at the time and most people didn't and it's only in hindsight that we all sort of like it now yep yep and then her biggest uh, no pun intended splash uh, had to have been in blackest night yes where aquaman that was where she is finally broke out yeah aquaman is zombie aquaman and Mira, absolute Jeff Johns just puts his foot on the gas and turns her into a badass superhero. And that was re- clearly the plan, was to, to make her totally an equal character. And that's pretty much where she stayed. Because once, she, uh, once uh, they started the new book over with the rebirth, she has become this big character. And as we see in the movie now, she is, you know, you, you're not going to do Aquaman without Mira at this point. She is a co-equal character. So, you know, that's, that was really the beginning. Of, and all credit due to Jeff Johns, because I think he was just a personally a fan of the character. So he went out of his way to make her really tough and everything. And uh, she's great in that mystery. I mean, you know, I my, have my, my issues with that whole series of the whole idea of, like, zombie superheroes and all that kind of stuff. Nevertheless, Mira gets a lot of cool stuff to do in that series. And I have to mention, who did Mira team up with for much of that miniseries, Blackest Night? Firestorm. With Firestorm, look at that! You see, he, Jeff Johns was working for us he, all the way back then. He was yep. working working for us. Yeah. So yeah, I, it, it goes from Blackest Night to Brightest Day to Aquaman uh, getting his own series in the New Fifty Two, and it, it just it's like a boom, boom, boom. It carries straight through, and Jeff Johns is the one who writes all of that uh, up and th- up until uh, he eventually left the book, and Jeff Parker took over and has continued to keep Mara in the spotlight since then. That's right. That's right. And so we do want to mention the big news, of course, is that we mentioned that Dan Abnett is leaving the book. He's being replaced by Kelly Sue DeConnick, which is kind of an interesting choice. Kelly Sue DeConnick, I believe, will be the first regular writer of Aquaman that's not a man. It'll be a woman for the first time ever. Hmm. Uh, and Kelly Sue wrote a lot of uh, Captain Marvel, and she wrote Bitch Planet. She's a very talented writer. Uh, I had a lot of fun on Twitter with her because a couple of weeks ago she said, hey, I want to learn more about Aquaman. So if you have particular Aquaman comics or moments you want me to know about, use the hashtag Aqua101. And so I sent her a bunch of my favorite Aquaman panels, and she retweeted like every one of them. Uh, which was a lot of fun. That was that was, I had a I had a blast going through a bunch of my random panels that I used to do on the shrine, 
and sending her some of my favorite images. I sent her some Apero, some Alex Ross, some Ivan Reese and Joe Prado. So that was a good thing. And so that's, uh, I'm excited. It'll be interesting to see what she does with it. I mean, I'm sorry to see Dan Abnett go because I think he did a great job. But, uh, you know, that's there's turnover in these things. And he had a really good run. So it'll be quite interesting to see what uh, Mr. Connick does with Aquaman. Yeah, especially with the movie coming and, and potential to tie into that could be uh, could be great. Yeah, absolutely. So, very cool. Well, there you go, folks. That's Amara, Queen of Atlantis, and a little primer for you on uh, where to find more of Mara as you get ready for the movie. Cool stuff. And he said, I'm expecting we will get one more trailer between now and the movie. Uh, I will probably have to watch it out of sheer curiosity, although I don't <laughs> need to see anymore. And then there'll be TV spots, all this kind of stuff. And we know there's an action figure line coming out. I mean, that's pretty... <laughs> again, we're, we're all taking it for granted now because we've gotten used to it. But, uh, again, think about where we were seven years ago that, you know, we would be talking about, oh, there's going to be the Aquaman movie coming out. Like, what? Right. That doesn't make any right. sense. What are you talking about? Well, you can already find Aquaman Legos in the store. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Lego giant play sets for Aquaman. There's going to be a Lego Aquaman movie, too. A direct-to-video Aquaman <sighs> Lego movie as well. Yeah. Seven years ago, it was it, we, it was still a punchline from uh, Entourage about an Aquaman movie. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, folks, very, very wonderful time. Hard to believe. Heady times to be alive in. So, this is great. Swim in it. Uh, bask in it, ladies and gentlemen. So, all right, folks, I think that's going to do it for us. We, we will go ahead and post some images from the Mara Queen of Atlanta series up on our website. Rob, what's that website? Fireandwaterpodcast.com. Be sure to hit us up on the Facebooks and the Twitters, uh, and leave us, you know, share your thoughts. You know, the best place is to go to our website to leave comments there, but you can definitely hit us up on, uh, you know, Fire and Water Podcast over on Facebook. We've got FW Podcast on Twitter. Rob's got every other Twitter handle out there. So uh, hit us up. Let us know what you thought of this series or what what some of your favorite Mara stories are, which would be pretty cool. We'd love to hear that, too. Yeah, that would be cool. Yes. Yeah, I've left a lot out, obviously, in my brief history. But, yeah, if you have a favorite Mara story, let us know. Absolutely. Well, I think that's going to do it. So, folks, until next time, fan the flame and ride the wave. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even towards their hair. They stand for truth and justice. See, I land in there. Aquaman and Firestorm, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah. My family, you fiend. Release them at once or I'll... Silence, you waterlogged whelp. As I was explaining to Batman, my umbrella drones will fan out over the city and spray enough paralytic gas to render all its denizens unconscious. With one touch of this button, thousands of my umbrella rockets will launch from these tubes on parabolic trajectories over every... It's my fault we're in this mess. I failed you both. It's okay, Dad. Maybe vacations aren't for people like us. Who needs them when you love your job? And you do love your job. Almost as much as I love you. I'm sorry, am I interrupting? I wouldn't want to bother you while I launch my umbrellas!
Show him why you're king of the sea.